Check out this streetwear brand called Clout. They have all the latest fashion from jeans, hoodies, tees, even shoes. Go check out their website. That's KCLOT.com. And use my promo code Brandon Jordan Comedy to receive your discount. Go check them out right now. What up, though? Welcome to a new episode of Don't Blame Me, Blame Detroit with your boy Brandon Jordan. Um, and we're just about to get right into it because uh, I'm super excited about this because uh, this is one of my favorite people in the world that I have as a guest today. What? You just don't know how big of a fan that I am. I don't. I am. I'm a huge fan of this uh, very intelligent, funny, beautiful, uh, who I call the sellout queen. Reason. Because anytime her name is on the ticket, that boy sells out. <laughs> and I know personally, I know. That's what's up. Thank you. I'm blessed. Um, a lot of people don't know she's been in the business a long time. Yes. A long time. I, and it's stuff that I just found out that I didn't even know that she did. So just welcome to the podcast, um, Amanda Seals. Hi, Brandon. That's a hell of an intro. Thank what's, you. Yeah. How you doing today? How your energy? Well, my birthday is tomorrow. Okay. So, you know, I'm wearing my cancer shirt. Um, I'm really, you know, trying to meet the energy. I mean, there's just a lot going on in this country. So it's really draining. It it's really dra- like being a conscious, aware person right now is draining. Talking to, uh, you know, it's enough to deal with like, trash ass white people but then when you start mm-hmm. talking about the idiotic black folks that's like the most draining part like the part when black folks is like i have my beliefs and you're not gonna shame me it's like your 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 belief what you're calling a belief is just not true <laughs> like, yeah. it's just not true yeah and like, they're like educating you as shaming you and that's ah. so uh, you know we shall overcome some of us um yeah. And that's one thing, and I'll tell you this, this is one of the reasons why I love you so much is because uh, I remember when the um, when it came out that you're going to be joining The Real, right? Mm-hmm. My first reaction was, this is not going to work. Yeah. And that was my first reaction. I said, because Amanda's too real for The Real. <laughs> yeah, you know, you still got to try shit sometimes. <laughs> you still like, I'm going to try shit. You know, that's... That was a phase in my life where I was really like exploring the idea of having some more consistency, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately like the idea of me getting to speak this messaging and this truth every day to a live audience um, was something that I really thought was appealing. Mm-hmm. And I know that I have stuff to say that one like upsets people, but more importantly, like inspires folks. Right. So mm-hmm. Um, it'd be making folks, you know, feel seen and feel sane. So it was like, it was like, yeah, like, of course, like there's probably going to be some weird shit just by nature of like this business. There's always weird shit, but the bigger purpose is, is at hand. And I really try not to let the moment get in the way of the vision. But it was, but it it was just another, it was just another notch on your resume, but yeah, I I still feel like they did you wrong. with not even, um, adding you to, you know, saying the, the finale. They, like, they know they corny for that, but that's that's why I left. So they're just being consistent. 
Yeah, it's because you. But you have to understand this business is corny though. Like this is a corny business. Like oh yes, I I understand. Like it's a corny business. Like people are petty and like your favorites are petty and and you know shady and and mean girls. Like I mean and mean boys. I mean it's just mean (laughs) non-binaries. Like I mean it's just that's the nature. Like this business. Like people have gotten so far behaving that way, Mm -hmm. and it's like. For a lot of people, like, why do anything else? Right. If, if that's what's been giving them the success. I tell you this, I've been in L.A. for four years now. Okay. And I've been doing stand-up since 20, no, 2006. I've oh, been doing okay. stand-up since yeah. 2006. And in this four years, I have never in the whole time been doing stand-up thought about, like, man, I hate this shit. And it's not stand-up that I hate. It's the business. Yeah, 1,000%. It's, it's the business. It's yeah. the business that I hate. You love telling jokes. Yeah, I love getting on stage. Look in front of people. But it's just the business part that gets me like, this doesn't make any sense at all mm-hmm. of why you're moving this way. Correct. And then, you know, now that there's like social media in the mix of things, that becomes such a big part of it in like other ways too, right? Because now you've got people booking folks and doing shit based on how many followers they have. But then mm-hmm. you also have like the social media community that, you know, is a it, is, it could be bots, it could be not. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know who's talking a lot of times, but they're pushing a narrative that, you know, may try to undermine your messaging or, you know, try to like, defeat the purpose of comedians <laughs> and mm-hmm. and so like there's like this whole other kind of like aspect that exists in addition to just the business of trying to make it and you know that's never really coincided well with the craft with art art you know what i'm saying art is, mm-hmm. is is organic and it's supposed to be authentic and pure and capitalism is every thing opposite of that so it becomes a real like practice of kung fu to not get sucked in let me ask you because we in this era of you know creating your own Mm -hmm. you know that's the message you know um that's being spoke to content creators like you need to create your own they're not giving opportunities to create your own create your own Mm -hmm. but one of the things that um a lot that's not also spoken about with creating your own is having the necessary means to create your own. Right. You know, the much, money, not just the money, though. No, not just the money. But what, what I mean is how much, this is what I'm getting at, how much of just creating your own plus the quality should matter? Because it's easy to create your stuff, but it do the quality of it. Oh, the quality. Also? Yeah, the quality. You know, it, it depends on your audience. Um, like, I feel like my audience likes things that are lo-fi. I feel like whenever I try and make shit like really polished and shit, they like, yeah, like they're not really into it as much as like when they feel like I'm doing stuff that's like letting them in the behind the scenes of stuff. Now that doesn't mean that I don't still do the polished shit. Cause I like a polished look. Um, but I think the quality is not just in like how something looks, but it's also the content. So I feel, I feel like for my stuff. I really try to have quality content so that what you're hearing actually has lot, has um, meaning to it. And ha- and if it doesn't have 
just meaning that it's going to be funny and in the best situation, it has both, you know? So I think when we talk about quality, um, there's a couple different aspects to like what that is. And it just becomes like you determining how your audience responds. But in order to do any of that, you also just got to have an entrepreneurial like mind sometimes about just how you want to market your yourself or how you want to work with other folks. And a lot of times people have like all the ideas, but they don't have the capability of follow through um, mm-hmm. or they might not understand just like the process of things. I know something that I've noticed in LA is that there's just a lot of folks that really, you know, I, they put money first. And as somebody who came out here and wasn't, I wasn't popping when I came out here, like I didn't have bread like that, but I knew that it was more important for me to make like connections with folks mm-hmm. than to get paid by them um, in the beginning of a process. And like, you'll see somebody that's working on something. And if you think it's a cool project, you think they cool. And then you're like, okay, so how much you going to pay me? And they're like, well, you know, I really got it, but you know, we just trying to make something right here. You have to make a decision. Like, mm-hmm. is this a waste of my time or was I just going to be in the house today anyway? Um, right. And when I, and I did that when I came out here and it allowed me to really create a network that, uh, create a network of people that, you know, when they did start getting checks, did, you know, reach out. Reach out to you. Oh, that's dope. Now, you was on one of my favorite TV shows, top 10 favorite TV shows all time. It really was. Like, I couldn't, I was one of those people where I had to watch it the day of that it came out. I loved Insecure. Okay. Now, what I'm about to say is I'm probably the minority in this, but okay. I was one of the people that did not want Lawrence and East together. Okay. I did not want that. And it was just off of, it was just off some funny stuff, but it was after, yeah, Lawrence was a bum in the beginning, but when East started messing around, when they were still together, I said, oh, she don't deserve that man no more. Why? Why? Because yeah. she... She run around with uh Daniel, messing around with him. Lawrence just at the crib. Yeah, he ain't shit, but still. They That's still not together, how, though. No, but still, he ain't but shit. They still together. I'm not saying that she was right. Her character was right, but he wasn't right neither. Like, if you're not pouring in, you gonna get, you know, what you get. I think the other thing that people fail to recognize is like, these are young people. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, when we're looking at characters in a TV show, we often reflect on our own behavior or what we want for ourselves. And I think a lot of it is, you know, we want this unconditional expectation from our partner um, of trust and loyalty. And it's just it's in, in the in the case of humans, we have to be realistic about like what we're what we're doing to support that. Um, you know, I think in, in, in the best of cases in that situation that person in a real life would have said, you know, um, this isn't working for me right now. And I think we need to part. I think we need to part ways mm-hmm. and uh, not stepped out before stepping to their partner. Right. Yeah. That would have been way better. Uh, that would have been the best of cases. I think the truth about that show that really kind of ends up coming to the surface is that, um, you know, people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you get the choice to decide how much of a mistake that is and, and if that is a reflection of someone's character 
or if that's a reflection of circumstance. Yeah. Now the whole uh, storyline of would you be pregnant? <laughs> Which lasted forever. <laughs> How much in your real life did that affect you mentally? It didn't. At Not all. at all? Because I see that, because um, a lot of actresses that I know, some of the roles that they play, can they say they affect them mentally, you know, say in real life when it comes to real life situations? I mean, I am an I am an actress by trade, but I'm not an actress by like person. I'm a comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference. Like we're we're all crazy, but actor crazy and comic crazy are two different types of crazies. Oh, yeah. Um, they just, I mean, I can at least with women, I can I can test <laughs> it completely. Uh, but no, I don't take um I don't take anything in, in my roles. Um, I mean, and, and I don't really like acting like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's fun when you have a great, when you have like a great director um, and you have a great counterpart. Like I really enjoyed scenes with Wade Elaine Marcus who played my husband because he's just like a very generous performer, you know, like he's just giving you shit and to play with and to respond to and whatnot. And that's not always the case with folks, right? Um, And then you just have different directors that just challenge you. And sometimes acting just feels like staying lines and you're challenging yourself, but it's even better when there's these other forces and that's not, so it's not as common as I would like it to be. So it's not something that I necessarily gravitate towards as much as stand-up. I think I also just, for what it's worth, like. I like saying my words. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I was just do you know uh you know Clayton Thomas? Of course, yeah. That's one of that's one of my good friends. We went to high school together. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we graduated the same year. And um, I was just uh recorded with him a couple of days ago. Okay. And one of the things that we were talking about was I have a movie like I'm writing. I have a movie I'm writing and he's the star of it. Oh, dope. And he, doesn't know, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, you know what? And it's actually about a relationship I had with a Detroit nigga. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is a whole other podcast. But right, We're we going to get to that because I, I see that you got a lot of history with Detroit. I don't necessarily have a lot of history with Detroit, but I feel like I, you know, Detroit is a black ass city. And so, you know, I just really, that means a lot. You know, that means a lot. And I, I, I don't, I don't overlook that. Like I was, uh, when we was talking to him, it was a lot of things um, that different little things that happened in our life that he didn't remember. It was a situation where one night I had, uh, I had bought this car. It was like a little, uh, like a $500 car from this girl down the street. And I bought the car, had no insurance, fake tags on the car. Detroit. Right. So you, but you can ride around the city all day and not have an issue. I know that's the point. That's what I learned. Like but, that's fascinating to me. But if you go outside the city, that's when you got problems. Like Dearborn, Dearborn, Redford, Livonia, okay. any of them problems, you got problems. Okay. So the situation was one night we was leaving the comedy, the comedy club about two in the morning. Everybody lives in the city except Clayton. Clayton lives in Redford. Okay. So he like, hey, can you give me a ride home? I'm looking like, man, all right, man, I'll take you, bro. I'll take you. 
So it's me, two other comedians in the car, plus Clay. Drive, driving down the street. So it's a street called Telegraph that separates Detroit from Redford. Okay. So I get on Telegraph. Soon as I make a right, all I see is flashing lights. Damn. Soon as I make the right, we Damn. pull into the, we pull into the parking lot of McDonald's. They they come to the car. I'm scared as all shit right now. Should be, yeah. I'm so scared that the dude, cause I uh, because my license was suspended. Oh my god, love yeah, my, my license was suspended. The dude was sitting there, and uh, he's sitting there like asking me my name. I barely can say my name, spell it, anything. So luckily, my cousin that does one of the comedians in the car, he ended up talking to the uh, to the officers, and they ended up letting us go. Keep him around. Listen, <laughs> I told him, I said, I would never take you home again. You, I'm about to go to jail to take you home right now. I was. You owe me. But oh shit! But um, we was. But one of the things we was talking about was mental health. Yeah. How in this, how moving to me, moving to LA, I really had to, I had to start seeing the therapist and it wasn't just off of just frustration and stuff. It was just, I just needed somebody to talk to, to go through this daily grind that I am in this business and with social media. Huh? I was just telling my mom in the car though. I don't think anybody that's black in America, every, to me, everybody, every black person in America should see a therapist. Like. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, for various reasons for brothers, you know, you wake up with a, with a target on your back every day. Like there's, and then if you in Detroit, you know, that's a particularly violent place um, where, you know, safety in a lot of areas is just not to be um, taken for granted, you know? So like, oh, yeah. there's a certain level of anxiousness that you're going to like have in your body and your blood when you growing up and existing in that space and then you get out of it. And I think a lot of folks try and just keep on moving, but there's like actual mental health repercussions that you have to deal with. So I'm glad you started seeing a therapist. Yeah. And yeah. And it's just the struggles. Cause like, I was saying like some, like one of the things I, um, I had posted about one time is like, can you be happy and jealous of people at the same time? I mean, I think there's, I don't think you can be. I mean, I think there's a certain level of looking at what someone's doing and it making you challenge yourself, right? So I think Mm -hmm. you can be happy and competitive, right? I think you can be happy and self-reflective. But the jealousy part is looking at someone and being like, damn, like they shouldn't have that. I should have it. That's the jealousy Mm -hmm. and envy. The competition part is looking at someone and saying, damn, they have that. And I need to figure out for myself how I need to get that for myself. Um, And that to me is, is, I think there's something healthy in that because it's examining outside of yourself, like someone else's journey. I don't think it has to be go too far. I think sometimes we take it too far and we're just like comparing everybody else's path and being like, you know, that should have been me. That should have been me. And it's like, if you keep saying that should have been me, then you not, you need to really ask yourself, well, why the fuck wasn't it you then? Why mm-hmm. wasn't it you? <laughs> and, I'm like, and sometimes you find out that it wasn't you because you wasn't even willing to do what they did for that. Yep. And that's, and, but that's one of the negatives about social media. People look at what this person is doing 
And they just assume like, man, I should get that. I should do that. But you don't know what that person did to get it. You have no idea. Yeah, you don't know. That's why you have podcasts. That's why you bring people on your podcast. You ask them, how did you get there? What did Mm -hmm. you do? You know, it's like the learning of things. But I think the real truth is that we are so much of a society of like opportunism at this point that we forget to see just how looking at what someone's doing and instead of saying like, damn, that should have been me, looking at them and saying, wow, like they did that. I got to figure out how more people can do that, including myself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's like, it's just changing your mind. It's just changing the way I listen right now. I'm having to like actively change the way I respond to folks on social media that may have the same goal as me, but have like a different approach. Like, you know, I saw somebody on social media today, like, you know, I'm tired of people talking about, you know, we need to go in the streets and vote and this, this is a waste of time, blah, 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 blah. You know, we need black liberation. And it's like, I was about to be like, yo, like if you know so much then what you trying to do, right? And I had to catch myself because that doesn't, that don't help. Like that, that pushes that person away and we on the same side. Mm-hmm. You know, so instead I had to like delete, 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 delete. <laughs> and but, I, but, one, but one thing about you, uh, I think what happens also is a lot of people um, don't pay attention to the message. They just pay attention to how you say it. I just had this argument with my man last night. Um, I mean, but I think that's because a lot of folks, you know, are so only used to actually like, they, what do they talk about in uh in if white and um white men can't jump? It's like they hear they listening, but they're not hearing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And I'm somebody who was raised by a Caribbean mother who's like a very hard, direct person. You know, I grew up in Orlando, but I really was groomed in New York in hip hop. I had mm-hmm. to fend for myself. Like I'm a sharp shooter. Like that's how I talk and. It's not meant, I mean, I have people say all the time, like, she sounds so masculine. She sounds so negative. She's so this and that. And it's unfortunate because I feel like they're, they're applying a whole bunch of shit to what I'm saying that, that is actually like ruining the mess, the message of what I'm saying. And I'm not going to change how I talk. I'm not going to start talking like this. I don't think that's effective for, you know, that's not what I'm going to do. I can be better at I'm trying to be better at not cutting people off. I'm sure I've already failed in this interview. No, um, yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I'm just trying to be better at not being unintentionally condescending and all that stuff. But you're right. Like the tone, the tone shit is, is real. And also it's like, it goes along with what we always hear about this angry black woman trope, right? And like black women is this and loud and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, if you always being overlooked, you gonna start raising your voice. And that happened long before me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you just bringing up, you know, uh, voting and stuff. Do you feel, well, I'll tell you like this. I know that people, pay, people um, looking at the things like the uh, Roe versus Wade um, situation and all these other situations the Supreme Court is going, is about to try to overturn. One of the things that, um, that's pushed on especially the black community is to vote is to vote but yeah voting is 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 the right thing to do but they don't have also the knowledge behind it is that they get suckered into focusing strictly on the president 
when the president probably has the least power out of the things that you're voting for. How do you think we can be able to educate more people to understand that you need to, to really focus on your representatives, your senators that you're voting for, and not just voting because they're Democrat? Because just because they're Democrat don't mean that they're going to be healthy for us. Facts. I mean, listen, all Republicans are trash and a lot of Democrats are trash. Mm -hmm. But you can count on all Republicans are trash. Okay. Like you can count on that just by because like they've made that known. Like they've they have planted their flag in that sand that like whether they agree with something or not, like they're going to squat up. So you can just do that. Democrats, they don't operate that way. Um, and the whole two-party system is trash in, re in reality. Uh, it, really, mm -hmm. it really needs to be overthrown. But in the present, it's really a community effort. It's an each one teach one effort. You know, It's talking about it in the barbershop. It's talking about it in the salon. It's talking about it at church. It's talking about it at your family gatherings. It's talking about it with your people in the car when you're just riding. It's talking about it. You know, it's, it's finding a, an organization and you know, maybe once a month going door to door. You know, until we as Black folks start to again realize that all we got is us, we gonna continue in this trend. And I do believe that that cycle will come around because everything is a cycle. But we are being pushed back to us. And once we realize that we can only depend on us again, we are going to be pushed back to educating each other. And we have stopped doing that in a real way. We don't have like community love in the same way. You know what I'm saying? The way we kill mm -hmm. each other at this point is so frightening to me. Um, the way that our young people in so many cities just don't treasure life. You know, they don't see value to other people's life. They don't see value. Because a nigga that's shooting at another nigga doesn't not only, he don't care about that nigga life and he don't care about his life. Because if you shoot, mm -hmm. you get shot. <laughs> like, right. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but it's like, it's, 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 we are in such a deep, dark place in so many ways. And I am a true believer that like, you know, the sun sets and the sun rises. We're in the middle of a sunset and eventually we will rise again. And I hope that we take the learnings from the times that it's happened before and with the new resources that we have now to rise in a way that makes us stronger, that makes us more fortified. But to answer your question, it's going to be the grassroots, which is, I heard it through the grapevine, word of mouth. The same way you mm -hmm. find out about Ooh, she's selling a car for 500 down the street. That's the same way you're going to find out about who you should vote for. <laughs> That's the same way. I mean, yeah. I will never forget. Like, I was, I had to get a ride home with Joel Santana and his whole crew one time when I was doing a show in Long Island. Mm. And he was from 152nd. And I lived on 151st. And we got in the car and it's like all these niggas. And I'm like, damn, I don't know. None of these dudes. Like, I know they got blicks in this car. Like, mm. what is about to happen? And the dude in the front seat was this big, brolic dude. And he was just pressing this driver like, yo, turn on the radio, turn on the radio. And I'm thinking like, damn, they must be like about to debut a song or something. Like the way they pressing this man is crazy. This nigga is mm -hmm. like, I've been trying to turn on the radio. And when he finally gets the radio turned on, it was to hear the presidential debate between Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that these cats is tapped in, but that's what mm -hmm. it's, gonna be. it's also going to be Brandon about making it a part of our culture to be tapped in, you know, like that's the other thing that, that is required. Like when it comes to black culture, when this feels like it's a part of us, like we we join up, like we rock with it. You know what I'm saying? Like when it was time, like like 
people feel crazy when they don't know how to play spades. Like black people feel crazy oh, when they don't know how to listen. play spades. Yes, like, oh man, that shit pisses like, me off. Yes, you know and like, and there's a shared there's a shared history amongst us. Like I'm I'm on tour right now. And I do my stand-up shows and then I do Smart, Funny, and Black. And Smart, Funny, and Black is my Black culture comedy game show. But I created Smart, Funny, and Black as a safe space to be our whole Black selves. And also to remind folks, like, we have a shared Black culture that's our culture. Mm -hmm. Like, that is not some made-up shit. Like, we truly have that. And you see it when we can all sing the same songs, when we can all laugh at the same, like, inside jokes, when we can all relate to, you know, do rags and bonnets, et cetera, et cetera. And so when we bring in knowing about politics, when we are, when we find a way to intersperse that into the culture, it's going to change. I truly believe that we, we got to make it. We got to not just make it cool. We got to make it black. We got to make it a black thing to know about who you voting for. Yeah, man. There's so much effort it's- being made to undermine that. They have literal bots with black pictures coming into different yeah they have literal bots that are fronting like black people that go into accounts and try and say oh voting doesn't matter why are you bothering with voting listen here to everyone who's listening turning up they know like it doesn't matter the truth is some shit don't matter until it matters so you might as well err on the side of caution okay wow like you err on the side of caution we would not be in the situation we're in right now if people really thought voting mattered okay Mm -hmm. but the, the more people stopped caring about voting, the more they started clamping down on making it even harder for the people who were voting to vote. So they wouldn't make so much effort about something if it didn't matter. So that's one. Right. That's one. Two, at the end of the day, you can't change something with just one approach. It just don't work. There's a multi-pronged approach. There's going to be people that have to get out there and vote. There's going to be people that have to pick up arms, you know, and, and mm-hmm. form and form protective, you know, militias. And there's going to be people that have to write and create art and make people laugh so that they can still fight for their joy while they fight for the power. There's going to be people that have to put their, their jobs aside and actually say, fuck it. I guess I got to run for office because ain't nobody going to lead and I need to lead. Like everybody has a role and somebody's role may not be to pop off when, when, when the, the cracker militia come, but their role might be to, to feed the, to, to cook for the, the militia right. that's firing, you know what I'm <laughs> Or their role might be to stand in line for three hours to vote, to show like, nah, we still have a voice and you're not just going to think we sitting here like idiots. And that's the other part is that you vote on the basic, the basic, basic reason to vote is simply to just not let these motherfuckers get so comfortable that they think they can enslave you again. Wow. That's really on the bottom yes. of the thing. Yeah, like, that's a gem right once there. They start, once they start to really feel like, oh, oh, you're not voting? We could do whatever mm-hmm. we want because you don't care. Mm-hmm. And so many brothers and sisters are out here saying voting don't matter, so don't vote. And I'm just like, so what's your alternative? Don't never take advice from somebody that's telling you to do something, that's telling you not to do something without telling you what to do on the other side of it. Of course. But it's happening. Don't vote. So then what, what's the plan? Because I'm just like, what's the plan? Like, if, the, if you got a better idea, shit, I want to hear it. Like, so I can, <laughs> so I can so go you, tell everybody. <laughs> like, right. So you can make your adjustments, you know? Yeah. Like, tell me, put me on. Oh, <laughs> but we ain't figured that out yet. We got to, we got to keep talking. We got to keep talking. You know, you got to keep talking. Like, 
until we walk in. And that's the truth. And like, you know, people are like, why are we doing protests? Why are we in the streets? For the same reason, like you have to continue to be seen. When, when, you, when you look at movements in other countries and nations, the number one thing you always gonna see is people in the street mm-hmm. because it's free. It's free to be in the street. It don't take no money. You don't gotta make no donations. It's free to be in the street. And even with that, there's a reality about like, okay, I can't be in the street all day because I got to go to work. Right. right. So then you have to have people that come in the street when you went to work. <laughs> like it's, it's this is not America has done a great job in the last 30 years of convincing us that um, this is the best place on Earth. And it's not. It's also done a great job of trying to convince people that this is the smartest place on Earth. It's not. And it's done a great job of making people blind to the rest of the world. And that's the scariest part. I had a nigga tell me the other day, you know, we don't need people from other countries to tell black people how to be liberated. Why, why would you ignore that though? Like, why not just take the input and see how it goes? What type of thinking is that? Like, ain't nobody, I, I just, we're not liberated. Mm-hmm. So best idea wins. <laughs> but I think one of the one of the big, one of the biggest issues is that the education level of especially you know black people of just traveling is is the it hurts us so much because even just traveling domestically in the united states it hurts us because just people i can speak for people back home in detroit growing up your whole mentality of what you think for example la was you thought la was hollywood and compton that's it you know, say so you thought it was just that them too. You don't think of no in between anything. Do you know just... LA is the beach? LA is mountains, mm. LA is nature. It's a whole different vibe. The ocean, you know, say so it's it's so much stuff that the images that you see are not put in front of you because all you see is because if you don't travel, all you see is what is put on TV in front of you. That's it. I had um when I was when I was dating that dude from Detroit, his his best friend was a, was a a sister who. I mean, I thought we were cool, but she was really just you know fronting. But mm-hmm. she was, she was basically always telling me that she wanted to be get out of Detroit, mm-hmm. and um, I told her I could get her work out here. You know, I was like, if you come out here, I can get you production work like ASAP. You know, you can get a job, and. She was like, I can't just get up and move out there. And I said, well, why not? And she was like, because all my people are here. I hate that line. And I was just like, well, then you ain't really trying to go nowhere. Because, I mean, unless you want to bring your people and they can work too. But ultimately, like, I come from an immigrant household. So I come from a mindset of, like, I got to go in order to bring my, like, in order to help my people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't, I can't stay here and help my people. I got to go. Um, and so ultimately what ended up happening was she, she basically got mad at me and was just like, you know, you're not really trying to help me because you're not trying to put up no bread and you're not trying to, um, you're not really trying to save nobody. And I told her, you're right. I'm not trying to save you because you got to save yourself. Like there's no, you a grown person. I can help you. I can help you. (laughs) Right. I can help you and I can, I can, um, be a source. I, I can be a resource. But like, I'm not a sponsor. You a grown ass person. Like you got the methods that you use to get Mm -hmm. your bread. And if you would like to alter those methods, I have alternative options. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I just remember like her being so staunch about like, nah, I can't leave. I can't leave. And that's, that's also a thing I think that happens in this country where like we're fighting over blocks that we don't even own and, um, and not realizing those, like, that's the distraction, right? Like when I, mm-hmm. when I, I remember I put out a tweet where I said, if you, if you spending your money on Jordan's and Nike suits and you don't have a passport, you're losing. People lost their minds. Mind you, Fabulous and Jay-Z said the exact same mm-hmm. thing, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. People, people lost their minds because they said that I was an elitist and that I was not showing respect to, you know, disenfranchised non-passport holders, et cetera, et cetera, which wasn't the case. The point I was making was like, it's buying a passport is a one-time thing. And that's like $65. Like, Mm -hmm. so give yourself in the last 10 years and in last 10 years, like give yourself that opportunity before spending your money on something material that is not going to give you experiences that can change your mind and change your options and, you know, change your legacy. And, um, you know, then it became like, well, you telling black people how to spend their money. So <laughs> like, so like we've listened to white people tell us what to do with our money forever. Um, you know, buy this house, buy that car, you know, go to this college, et cetera, et cetera. You don't have to take nobody's advice, but if people are making right. sense, if people are making sense, it behooves you to listen. So, yeah, the ego is in the way. <laughs> get out of your city, get out of your town. You know, I lived in Harlem, and there were niggas that had never left, never been below One Twenty Fifth Street. You know, they like I don't, I don't got no business down there. My mom lived in Brooklyn, New York, for like eight years. This is before I was born, but she's yeah. she had worked, she had never been to Harlem. Wow. It's a train that takes you right there. <laughs> I can tell you to stop. Yes, and but you're so right. When we travel, oh man, like especially just for Black folks, when we travel and we get to see just the other possibilities and perspectives around the world, and just just getting to see a fresh sky. Yeah. You know, I remember the dude I was talking to. He had told me he was like, "Thing about Detroit is that the sky and the, the sky and the cement be the same color," and when when we had got together he was out here in LA and like he was just experiencing like a different right. like environment environment just, yeah like yeah, it, just, and it was like it was changing him and ultimately he wasn't comfortable with that change and he decided nah I want to go back to the street and that's where I feel more comfortable wow look I went to Last year, I went to Hawaii for the first time. And that experience was amazing. Lovely. It was amazing because it was like, um, even though Hawaii is one of the states, it's a whole other country. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a colony. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just, (laughs) I'm talking, you know, it's just a whole, it was just there. It was like, which island did you go to? Maui. Nice. Okay, dope. That's my favorite. And it was just, I was just like, wow, I was just blown away. You know, I went snorkeling for the first time. Yes, black man in the water. You know what I'm saying? In the water, in the ocean. Can you swim? Yeah, I can swim. I'm a basic level swimmer. I'm a basic level swimmer. 
But you pushed yourself. Yeah. Got out there and, oh, man, I, I can't wait to go back. But this also, that was my first experience really off the mainland. Okay. And so it just opened me up to like, man, I got to get out there more. Yeah. The world is ours. You know, we, we, were, we were stolen from a land of bounty and beauty and brought to a land to, be, to, to create bounty and beauty on our backs and not get the chance to really see the beauty in, in our world. And we have made the world, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the Black people of America have changed the world. And yet we don't get to take it as our own. And I'm telling y'all, like, if you could save up some dollars and even go to just Dominican Republic to a all-inclusive where you just pay one fee and you get all your drinks, you get all your food, et cetera, you know, go to Mexico. It's really realistic. Like for instance, I'm, I'm working with this group called the One Love Travel Group. Okay. And we are doing a trip to Kenya in mm-hmm. January. So we're doing a trip to Kenya in January. You can go to onelovetravel.club and they have a payment plan. And we go to Kenya for nine days. We go in on safari. Did you know they got a beach in Kenya? We go into no. a beach resort in Kenya, Mombasa. Oh. And uh, we do some nonprofit work while we're out there, you know, because you got to give back mm-hmm. to the land. And then I'm also doing a workshop while we're out there. But the point of the group is to give people the opportunity to go places in community. Right. Because that's the other thing. A lot of black folks, we just feel scared to go places because we don't know what's going to be like when we get there. And, you know, are they going to fuck with black folks? Are they going to, you know, rock with us, specifically black Americans? And so it allows for there to be a certain sense of safety and um, security. So go to, you know, if you're curious, go to onelovetravel.club. Come on over to Kenya with us. I've never been. I've never been to Kenya. This is my opportunity to get to go to a different part of Africa. I've only been to West Africa, but I love that you brought up travel because it's just such a, it's just such an incredibly important aspect that I think we, we leave out. I look at these drill rappers. I'm like, I just wish I could get all y'all on a plane and just take you. And see what else is out there. Yeah, Like take, you know, take you to like Portofino, Spain or some shit. You know what I mean? And just like get you out from under this fucking oppressive ceiling that just keeps closing in i'm so scared about what's about to happen in this country i'm so frightened and i'm about to you know i'm going out on this road if you're curious uh go to amandaseals.com for tour dates i will be in detroit i think on september on sunday september 25th i believe or whatever that Sunday is i think it's the 26th or 27th i'll be there um but you know truth be told like I'm kind of shook about what this world is going to be like, what this America is going to be like that I'm coming back into, you know, like I haven't been on the road since 2019, since my special came out on HBO. And like, it's, it's a different land. It's a different land that we step into. Wow. It's, it's been that long for you. It's a pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I went on tour in the spring of 2019 with stand up. Then I did a whole tour for Smart, Funny, and Black in July of that year. Then I came home and I took a break for a week, for a month. Then okay. I started promoting my book. So my book, Small Doses, came out in October of 2019. Yep. Um, and then, so I was promoting my book. And to be honest, like the, the people that were supposed to do the work weren't doing the work. So I had to end up really getting in the weeds to get that going. And then uh, we started shooting Insecure at the end of the year in 2019. 
And then I booked the reel and started doing the reel at the top of the year in 2020. So there wasn't really, and then we were in a pandemic by March of 2020. Damn, okay. As you put it in, <laughs> you put it in that that way. Yeah, that now that makes that makes a lot of sense. You see, and then it was like stay yeah. in the house. Everybody stay. I mean, I, I remember when I saw DL Faint on stage and I was like, yeah, y'all can have that. I'm not, <laughs> I ain't trying to be out on this road right now. I'm gonna just sit out real quick. I uh I had I did. I ended up catching COVID uh, once last year. I caught it for the first time a month ago. And uh, so um, I caught Mize at the Lab Factory. Oh, shit. That's how I got Mize. I, uh, I was there for Chocolate Sundays. And literally about two days later, I had the worst symptoms in the <laughs> for, for one day. And it was crazy. And then... Um, uh, after that, that's when uh, I was out for like two weeks. Oh, yeah. I was down two weeks. Me and my man, yeah. both of us, laid up. Just like, this is it. I guess this is life now. <laughs> but uh, but what else uh, What else are you are you working on and, and that's getting ready to come out that you would like to talk about? You can check out my radio show, Smart, Funny, and Black Radio, on uh, Kevin Hart's LOL Network on Sirius Satellite Radio. So that's on Sirius every Monday a.m. 7 and 10 a.m. 7 a.m. Pacific 10, 10 a.m. Eastern and you can also listen to it wherever your podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts so I got that um you know this tour is really like the center of my focus right now because I haven't had to sell tickets in a long time and that really is a whole new that's a whole new world too people don't really got money for tickets like that so you got to really no, let hold, on, hold on hold on I, I got to cut you off right there people might not have a lot of money but they got money for you well, I hope so. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> it's also about letting folks know. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's really, a, it's a full-time job, just just being back in the mix of things. And I really appreciate you pouring that positivity into me because, you know, I definitely was crying the other night, like, I don't know how we're going to sell these tickets, these gas prices. I don't even feel right asking people to buy yeah. tickets. But I, I did the first show in Brea, California. I did my first weekend out there and it was so beautiful. People showed up and came through and they were just so mm-hmm. excited to be there. And I just, um, it really just reminded me like why we do this. And the mm-hmm. truth is we, we do this because it's a superpower. And when people need joy more than ever at present and they, they also need not just joy, but they need inspiration. And I, when I, when I stand up on that stage, I'm not trying to just tell jokes. Um, I'm trying to lead. I'm trying to inspire. I'm trying to empower. And uh, I don't take that. I don't take the the job of being a comic lightly. I take it as an honor. Uh, well, I tell you this. Um, this has been one of the best hours of my life, right here. Oh, <laughs> you, I mean, you just don't understand. I always, always felt like you were like my sister from a distance. That's fabulous. Thank and you. that's why when I when I ran into you that night, I was so excited because that's how I always felt about you. I love your your opinions. I love how you speak it because it, it hits home for me. I understand the message and I appreciate what you do, not just for comedy, but just for the culture period. That means a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yep. And um, I hope, you know, this can start, a, you know, a friendship and I would love to be able to work with you one day too. Um, you speak it, it shall happen. You asked me to will. do the podcast and I made it happen, right? You I was did. like, Send me the email. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day. And everybody, remember, we are each other's business. 
when we look out for each other, we lift each other up. Go to amandaseals.com, get some t- get some tickets, check out when I'm coming to be, check out when I'm coming to your city. Yeah, and if you're gonna get tickets, don't wait two, three days. <laughs> let me tell you, she sells out in a day or two. Appreciate that. All right. It was right. another thank you for uh, it was thank you for coming on. That's another episode, and I'll holler at y'all. Wow, I got a dip. Thank you, Brandon. Peace out. Thank you.